Amen. You may be seated today. That song moved on me about the last minute of it, and I, the Lord was moving today, but it come over me, and and I'm holding back tears right now. So anyway, I'm trying to gather my composure a little bit. The Lord is so good. He is so good. If we can forget what's going on around us and and focus in on Him, uh, He's there waiting to move upon us. And anyway, the Lord's good. We've been talking about this year, uh, the Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, we've been standing on, and it starts out, but forget all that. In other words, what happened in 18, and we preached on whether it was good or bad, uh, and there's reasons for both, but forget about that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do in 2019, and I'm not talking about Kent. I can do nothing at all, but Christ can do all things, and he wants to do a lot in you in 19. He goes, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. And that's why that song moved me at the end is that the Israelites were scared to death. And, and they remembered they were a child of God and God opened up the Red Sea so they could walk through. And God will make a way for you in 2019. You just need to step out into what he's called you to do. We've talked about that, that what God wants us to do in, in 19, how to step out in it is to step out into his love and, and his love for people and our love for him, that we're supposed to really step out in those things. And, and we've really focused and preached on that. But the Lord put the parable, the talents on my heart. Uh, we were in last week about the 10 virgins and, and the next verses right after that was the uh, Matthew uh, chapter 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. And, and God, again, is reiterating to us how important it is for us to invest our talent, which is his love in us, to people and to him. And so as we move into these scripture reading today, the points that I believe the Lord has, has put on my heart is, one, love God and people with your talents. People need our talents I changed that at the last minute. My notes don't even read that anymore. The slide is correct. I put they desire, but they need it. Uh, they, they desire it sometimes, but, but sometimes they don't. And the, we need to give it to them because they need it. But people need your talents. In other words, the love of God working through you to them. The fear of using your talents is point three and and really, that song that Joel just sang and the praise team sang covered that. Uh, a lot of people fear using their talents. And then the fourth thing is we've been anointed to use our talents. And so as we're reading this passage of Scripture, you should be able to see what I'm talking about here. But it's a perfect example of loving God and loving His people and using our love or our talents to accomplish God's plan for our lives. And I want you to really hear that today, God's plan for your life. And so as we move into the parable of the talent, 
Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of the man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid it, hid the master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small account. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and I I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have had gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, that's your word. And Father, I ask that you, as your word says, that that it come alive in us, and Father, that it work in us, and Father, that you minister through us today. Uh, Father, I ask that we get uh, all the distractions that are in our mind now, that we just give them up to you. Father, we lift those distractions to you and ask that you move in each and every situation And, Father, that your hand would be upon these situations. Father, because of your hand being upon them, Lord, we can focus in today on what you have for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you speak through us, speak through your word, speak through me. But most of all, Lord, open our ears to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one, our talents is to love God and people with all you have. Uh, that's, the, I think, the main point of this, this parable is to love people with all that you're talented with, all that you have. 
Something that I get in this when I look up the word talent, there's two things that, that a lot of commentaries will tell you about it. But the first thing is a talent is something of great value. Uh, this one commentary said a talent was a huge sum of money, probably equivalent to 20 years wages. And you think about that, uh, the guy that had five talent had money for a lifetime and he doubled it. The man that had two talents had around 40 years of money and he doubled that. And the man that had one talent had 20 years of monies and responsibilities. But what the Lord showed me through this is that, that God gave us the most valuable thing he had in the world. In this story, you know, money is probably the most valuable thing to man. That's why he used it. But God has given us the most valuable thing in this world, and that is people. That is the people that you come in contact with every day. He's gave us a lifetime of talents, if you will, to minister to those around us. A lot of times we say, well, I don't have it in me. The parable of the talent says that God has apportioned it to you as needed. You have all that you need to minister God's love to people. The second thing is you go on and read in commentaries that they'll talk about. A talent represents not only your money, but your gifts, your skills, your time, your energy, your education, your intellect, your strength, your influence, and your opportunities. Your talent represents your life, everything that is about you. And you've been anointed. You've been given the talent to go love God's people and to love him. And the Lord's saying through this this parable that we must use our talents to do this. The second thing the Lord put on my heart from this first point was that a lot of times we use Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, that there are plans for good and not disaster and to give you a future and a hope. A lot of times we use these, these, this, this scripture to promote what we want to do with our life, how we want to use our talents. When God has got the plan that God has for us is to use our talents to build his kingdom, to use our talents to love people that we come in contact with each and every day. And we get off track so many times pursuing what we want to do and we, we step on people and hate people to get what we want when that's not what God's plan is for us. God's plan is for us is to bless his people and to bless him and to love on them. And we even see that from the scripture that I read from you in Jeremiah. It says here, the plans or they are plans for good. In other words, God's plan for you is good. And then Jesus' own words in Luke 18, 19 said, no one is good but one, that is God. So the good that God has for you is loving him and loving his people and not this world and everything in this world. The scripture goes on to say that, that the hope that you have, guys, there's no hope in anything else but Jesus Christ. And that's the plan that God has for you, that you'll do good and hope in him. And we sang about that opening the sermon or the, the service today. But 1 Peter 3.15 says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain. You see, God has called us to, to share our hope 
share our love to the people that we come into contact with each and every day. Are we using our talents for God, for this church? Guys, I'll say it later, but, but the, the people that God places in your life and around you are the, the, the if you will, the talents that he's given, or the, the, the things he's given you to minister to. Uh, there's, there's things that, that, that I've been working with the pastors on is because a lot of things cross our plate. We don't want to do it. And I've been really working at it. If, if something crosses my plate, God's allowed it to be there. And so I need to minister to that situation. And, and guys, I'm, I'm doing a funeral tomorrow night that I don't have time for, nor, uh, um, uh, be honest with you, really want to. But the Lord keeps telling me and reiterating with me, we need to do all possible that we can. Now, I turned one down a week ago because I was out of town. But when it crossed your plate and you have the opportunity, I believe that, that everybody you see every day is somebody God's put in your life to use your talents for. So when you wake up in the morning, it's your spouse laying bef- beside you. Love them and love them like God would. Or your boss at work or whatever it may be. But I may get into that more later. I don't know. But what bothers me is that, again, as we were talking here, and I I got off track a little bit, but God's plan is for us to to take his love to the world and love this world and bring them into the kingdom of God. But but so many times we get off track. And the Lord really hit me. People, or I should say believers, are prostituting their talents out to the world. And, And that may be a harsh thing for me to say today, but God has given us all talents. Every believer has giftings and talents. And if we're not using them for God, are we using them for the world? And, and I see the world getting prosperous in, in, in the things that God's anointed people to do, but they're using it for the world and not for the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying you can't use it both places, but it's made for the kingdom of God. And to help clear up what I'm talking about today, is that I went to college at uh, Jimmy Swaggart Bible College. And uh, people don't realize it, but Jimmy Swaggart, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Mickey Gilley were all cousins. They grew up in Faraday, Louisiana, in a Pentecostal church. They all were gifted as musicians. They all went to this church. They all had the same upbringing. And God put an anointing on uh, you'll read it all through articles on Lewis and, and, and Jimmy Swaggart of being able to play the piano and sing. But, but my point is here today is that two of the three use their giftings in the world and have not used their giftings at all for the kingdom of God. Every, all three of them started out in this church ministering and singing and praising God and, and using their gifts and talents that God had given them to build his kingdom. One of the three use their giftings and talents to minister into the world. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, well, he screwed up. Well, I think I screw up every day. Uh, I mess up a lot too, but at least he was willing to take his talents. He could have been filthy rich like Lewis is now and Mickey Gilly. Uh, guys, there will be a book written about these guys someday. They call them the, the outlaw, the cowboy, and the, uh, the killer. I think they're, they're, or the preacher, excuse me. But, but they all even got nicknames. And if you're older in this room, you'll know what I'm talking about today for sure. But I believe that, that that's an example of, uh, and a good example of God giving us talents 
and some using it for worldly gain, and some of it using it for the kingdom of God. And so again today, are we living out God's plan or our plan? Our talents are to be used on the people that we come in contact with each and every day. Now, when I was a little kid, now I'm going to move in some slides here, girls, so you can be ready. Uh, don't pop them up yet, but you can't. I don't care. That's good enough. Embarrass me. But, but as we grew up uh, as kids, we all on Valentine's Day had to make our own little Valentine's boxes. Not like today. Today, you just go out and buy them. You know, this world is, is so fun. You can just go out and buy them. But on Valentine's Day, we all had to make our own little boxes. We got a list of 25 to 30 people in our class. And I, I, I did hear that they, they still do this today. But, but you had to give a card to everybody that you loved in class. And, and anyway, that, that you had to share a Valentine. In other words, the love that you had for your classmates. I can remember as a kid uh, sitting around and going over this list. And mom put this picture together for me. And that's a little card that she found that when I was a kid, or at least when I was a little bit older. But, but I can remember sitting around the table excited to give cards to people that I liked and the girls that I liked. But the ones that didn't like me and the ones that made fun of me or the ones that persecuted me, she literally had to make me make them a card. And so it's easy for us to love on people that, 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 that love on us. But as we started this teaching out that, that God told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but he said in, in our home, which is Jerusalem, around our church friends, which is Judea, but the Samaritans, Samaritans didn't like the Jews. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. In other words, we share the love of God with people that don't like us or maybe we don't like. And then he said into the world, and we talked about how that the Romans were just oppressing the Jews and killing millions of them, and God said, love on them. And that's the same example that I was seeing as making these little boxes as a little kid. My mom and really the schools, I believe, were training us to love our brothers and to love each other. So the next slide, it was easy to love the, the, the best girl in our life. And that was me and Karen, and, and when we just got married and we're going to Valentine's, I believe, a dinner here at the church. And that was believe before I was even pastoring. But below is a card that I gave to her a lot. That's probably one of my favorite cards. I'm sorry. Uh, Jerry, you can probably remember that when I worked for you. I sent her a lot of cards saying, I'm sorry. But, but, but again, we want to love on those that are our best girl. The next thing, you know, we make cards up for our best friends. And this one here really blessed me. Randy, the Lord, this is how good the Lord is. I felt like I was supposed to call Randy the other day. And, and I talked to him, talked to him, talked to him. And I go, Randy, I felt like I was supposed to call you. Nothing's coming around. So I guess I'm going to hang up. Well, then something happened. We got talking about today. And I said, I need some Valentine's cards. He goes, I just dug some up. And that's why the Lord wanted to call me. This card here was from uh, Marion Sprouse to Robert Lehman Sr., which is Christina's dad, probably in 1940. That's how old that card is. I didn't want to bring it out today. But he was sharing a, a card to his best friend. Uh, I sing a song just for you. Be my Valentine, please do. These guys are best friends throughout their lifetime. 
It's easy to love people that, that are our best friends and our, and our best girl. You know, the next slide I thought was neat, and I was going to skip it, but you guys could help me out. But Robert got one from Irish Jean, and we think that's costly, but we don't know. And so if anybody knows this, Clements, there you go. And so Robert got that and, and helped me remember that, ladies, after church. But it isn't so neat that, that 70 years ago, we're seeing the love of God through Valentine's Day that, and, and the love to people, our best friends, through Valentine's Day. Man, that, that just excites me and gives me goosebumps today that if we could get back to that even more the, today, it would change the world. The next slide was, uh, uh, you know, to those that don't like us. You know, I can remember mom would, would make me fill the cards out. And, and, and I wanted to be friends with half of these people, but they were just knuckleheads to me. And, and so I might have made a card up, said, be my friend. But, but even knowing they would reject me, she wanted me to fill that card out. And so even knowing that people will reject us, we need to love them anyway and, and find ways to love them. God has given us the talents to be able to do that. The next card is one I thought was neat because the ones that I uh, had to do with the, the people that persecuted me, I had one kid that moved in and he was just pretty big bully, which I could be a bully at times myself. But, but I thought, man, I found this card on the internet. I thought, man, if I'd had this in the day, I'd have sent it to him. But it's, you're, you're not my friend. But if you read the little small print there, it says, you're not just my friend, you're my best friend. And the Lord really spoke to me with that because when I first saw it, I thought, man, that'd be perfect for one of my enemies, you know. And then I saw the fine print and it's just like the Lord. Yeah, that may be, the big print may be our heart, but the small print's God's heart and we need to share it with the people around us. And so we pray that God, that, that you help us make that small print big print in our life. Help me to step out in love when I don't want to love. Help me to say kind things when I don't want to say kind things. But you've been talented to do this. And you guys may be sitting here today and said, I'm not going to make my kids do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that if I don't like somebody. Well, Lord hit me through my devotion this week that Judas was served communion after Christ told him he was going to deny him. Christ knew that Judas was going to deny him and, and be responsible for putting him on the cross, and he still served in communion. Wow. Can we love like Christ? So in this parable, we're reminded that Jesus has called us, and this should be in verses 14 and 15 if you're following along, but he's entrusted us with his kingdom and the people in it. Uh, he has given us the talent, the abilities, the giftings to accomplish this ta task. But I remind you today that he called these people his servants. When we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we become servants of God. And servants is somebody that follows their master and follows his example so we know that God has equipped us. God has done all that he needs to do. We have, we have no excuse. Even Matthew 25, 15 says, God divided in proportion to their abilities. So he knew the guy with five talents could handle it. 
He knew the guy with two talents could handle it. And guys, he knew the one with one talent could handle it. They just didn't believe it themselves. So today you've been equipped. You have been given the power, the authority. All things have been given to you to accomplish what God's called you to do with your talents. We're going to give an account someday, just like the people in this parable. And we're going to be rewarded a double portion for what we do. And for what we don't do, we're going to be judged. But through this scripture here, Jesus basically says, use your talent or lose your talent. Did you ever think about it that way? Use your talent or you lose your talents. But something that got me, the one that used their talents, the master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servants. You have been justified or you have been faithful in handling this small account. So now I'll give you many, many more responsibilities. Let's come and celebrate. Man, you want to experience the, the move of the Holy Ghost? You want to experience the move of God? Then let him use you. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But if you do nothing to those who, who use, well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So Jesus is saying, use your talents or lose your talents. But God has entrusted us with a community around us, and we need to, to minister in them. People desire our love, point two today. What people actually want for Valentine's, I, I ask you guys that, and it only got a few uh, uh, responses on Facebook. So I found out our church isn't the most romantic church in the world, or uh, they're shy. So, But anyway, I found this online here. But what actually uh, uh, people want on Valentine's Day was, this was written by uh, Jean Fields in Sioux City on February the 7th, 2019. But she interviewed 47, or 4,706 people. And, and believe it or not, the number one thing there was clean the car. Uh, uh, it was one of the number one thing that people wanted people to do is clean the car. Clean up our car, and I'm thinking, what they do? Just make a list of things. Uh, but how did the car cleaning the car become number one in that town? But but she was talking about how that's practical love. That's just a practical love. Then the second thing was to a night out on Valentine's Day, and that was affectionate love. But this is what she wrote: Wouldn't both be nice heading out for a date night in a sparkling clean car? Sounds like an amazing way to celebrate Valentine's Day. Maybe taking a, prog- a pragmatic and romantic approach to our relationship is the, the way that we really need to go. And that really hit me because the Lord has been really dealing with me as a pastor. The churches, we want to use our talents to help people maybe uh, clean out their gutters or, or the way we want to use our talents but we neglect using our talents to worship God. In other words, we, we use our talents where we're comfortable, but when it comes into the uncomfortable, which may be raising our hand on Sunday morning to worship God or, 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 or just praying or spending time in prayer, we tend to neglect that side of it. And we need a relationship that embraces all the talents and we worship God with them and we worship people and we love people. Now, I may not be very clear today, but I was trying to think of things that, that maybe we struggle with. 
But, but Oakland will respond to a work day, but will, we, but will we respond to a prayer meeting? In other words, I can schedule a work day and have 150, 200 people out. But when I schedule RPWF, I get 40 people out. And again, I'm not here complaining today, but, but both of these are valuable. Both of these are important in a relationship. And to use our talents effectively, we must do this. And a lot of you may be thinking, you know, well, I don't know. Well, another one I thought of, uh, people will give to designated giving, but nothing to the tithe each week. So if we can control things, yeah, we'll do it. But, but if we can't control it, we won't. We need to let loose and let God do what he wants to do. But a scripture that the Lord put on my heart for this is Matthew 26, 8 through 10. And this is when the, the lady came to Christ with a perfume and she was rubbing Christ's body down with this very high dollar perfume. And Matthew 26, 8 says, this is Jesus speaking. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why, why this waste for the fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. In other words, we can sell this oil and give it to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. We think that, that it's wasting time on the things that are, that, that are spent on Christ. But when it came to working in the community and using the money for the poor, it wasn't a waste. The disciples regarded time and money spent on Christ as a waste. But Jesus seeing things differently, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Do I need to say any more on that point today? Do I need to say any more that, that we need to be able to worship Jesus and, and to, to spend time in worship and, and, and loving God and our Father along with loving people? Point number three, fear of using our talents. And this is the meat of what I want to talk about today, and it was confirmed in our worship today. But I was afraid, verse 25 says, and you think about this guy, you can maybe even feel sorry for him, but, but some people get so overwhelmed with the responsibilities they have, fear comes in. Man, he had 20 years of wages and talents. This was a huge responsibility. And I could see it weighing on this guy, and, and we always just beat this guy up and, and say he's a dirty, rotten scumbag when maybe it was just overwhelming him. But I can remember when I started in working in prison ministry, Guys, I, I, I took off and did it, and, and I quit doing it. And the reason I quit doing prison ministry was out of fear. And it wasn't because of the prisoners, although it was a pretty rough time at times. But what I began to fear is when I'd go into the prison ministry, the leader would always call on me to pray. And I didn't feel like I could pray. I thought I was a horrible prayer Man, I've heard people pray, man, they, they use scripture and they, they said all these cool things. And when I prayed, it was just two minutes and done or, or maybe even one word and done. And, and I just thought, oh God, I can't pray. Why does he keep bothering me? And out of fear, I quit using my talents. After two or three weeks, the instructor come up to me. And by the way, it was a class I was taking. So I was failing the class. The guy comes up to me and he said, hey, uh, why aren't you doing this anymore? And I said, ah, oh, just, you know, they got the football, tag football league, and I'd like to do that. And see, so you never really get the real excuse out of people. 
because of fear of sharing their heart. And, and, and I, I kept beating around the bush, and he said, I think it's more than that. And I said, well, the truth is, you always call on me to pray, and it scares the tar out of me. And, and he goes, I call on you to pray because you're genuine. Man, it set me back. It set me back. But I let my fears rob my talents. And God had equipped me with what I needed to do. And so this guy here, maybe fear was robbing his talents. But what about us when I'm afraid at times to jump into a conversation when the Holy Spirit is nudging me? We've all been there. Man, we've been around the table at work or whatever, and we know we should say something but fear steps in, and, and the next thing we know, the, the conversation's moved on. Uh, I, I dealt with that a couple of weeks ago when I was at the, the minister's uh, deal down there, and, and it made me mad the first time I missed the opportunity and, and because of fear, and I thought, no more. And the next time something came up and the Holy Spirit nudged me, I spoke, and then I spoke again. And, and again, we're not looking for man's approval because a lot of times you're not going to get it. But, but, but a man said, man, that's a word from the Lord. And it encouraged me. But, but whether we're getting men's approval, we got God's approval, and we need not be afraid. You see, people hide their talents because they're afraid of failure and what others might think. Or maybe it's just too hard to work, or maybe the responsibility maybe has to be too involved. But we don't know what was going on with this old boy, but, but he was scared for whatever reason. And we need to realize that we battle those same fears and we need to, to just come against them. But what concerns me is this fear will grow and, and it gets heavier and it grows into sin and rebellion. And I think a lot of churches today and a lot of believers today have allowed this fear of, uh, and being afraid of what people think that they don't speak their mind anymore. And, and, and in other words, the church knows God but does not preach the word of God out of fear of offending people. And I, I think that is so truthful, guys. I think that's what's happened with our nation is that we got scared that we're going to offend somebody, so we kept quiet. And I'm not going to give out names, but I heard a pastor that was interviewed in, down in Texas, and he said, we believe in, but do not preach the cross, sin or hell, because we don't want to offend people. We try to stay away from the things that offend people. Out of fear, they dug a hole and buried the truth. And it's going to be hard for me to keep my mouth shut now because I want to go to point four. God's anointed us and appointed us for this time. And the word we have will change life. And Satan's got us scared to do anything. And man, that's just like this guy and this talent here. Man, he was scared to use his talent for whatever reason. Another pastor I interviewed locally that's got one of the biggest churches in the area. I guess I didn't do it personally, but, but, he, but when I asked a question, this is what was told to me. But we asked, why don't the Spirit move on Sunday mornings? Or why don't they allow the move of the Spirit on Sunday mornings? We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but do not operate in them on Sunday mornings out of fear of offending people. And I can see it. We've had people leave Oakton because we spoke in tongues. I can see that. Oh, don't speak in tongues, you know, because I don't want people to leave. But guys, if you read your Bible, tongues is for the unbeliever. 
So why are we afraid of using that? Fear will lead to believing the Bible is no longer relevant. And guys, I'm starting to hear this a lot anymore. But, but we don't need God just give me a trained professional. You know, the Bible, it, it no longer covers these things that we're going through. As I was writing this and hesitating to, to bring all these things up today out of fear of, of missing it or, or being out of the Lord's will or offending or however you want to say it, Don Garrett sent me a text and Karen can affirm it because she was sitting by me. But Don sent a, a text and it said, shallow pastors and or shallow sermons attract a crowd and make the people happy, but do not help them to beat the enemy and take spiritual authority to win. Deeper pastors and deeper sermons take longer and are not as much fun, but builds people to win and be more than conquerors operating in the spirit. And I said, thank you, Lord, because I needed reassurance at the time. In other words, again, back to, to point two or whichever, God has appointed us and equipped us, and he's given us what we need to do it. And, and, and if you're not sure about something, ask for confirmation, and he'll do it. But again, this morning, as the praise team was singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And what really got me is, is I don't even realize what I sing. A lot of times I always say to you guys, do you realize what you sing? Because I'm talking to me. But it said salvation. And, but also it talked about salvation. His blood runs through your veins. And man, that was moving me. Christ's blood runs through our veins. We are anointed to use our talents. Point four. What I want to say to you, and I said it to Norma, she was like, I don't understand what you're saying, but, but what happened to the cross? And the cross is the power of Christ, the anointing of Christ. The cross is where everything was taken care of. We were all set free. We were all, whatever the, it, that the Bible's based on happened at the cross. And I say to us today, what happened at the cross? At the cross, we were anointed, the believer, and his blood runs through our veins, our veins, we have been anointed, we're talented to represent Christ. We have been given the gifting to love and to minister to God and his people. Psalms 18.50 says, great deliverance he gives to his king and showers mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22, now he has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God. You've been anointed in God. And so when I think about that, when Christ come out, what he was called to do, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover his sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You have been anointed, and God has entrusted you with that anointing today. You have been anointed 
to set the captive free in Jesus' name. You can literally, that's what got me, is that when I was studying this, there was a guy on TV and he was talking about uh, this particular part, but he was talking about Jesus was over here and he got in the boat to get away from the people. They went across the sea to deal with a demon that nobody could handle, that when they got him in chains, he would break the chains, and Jesus took authority over the demon by the anointing. He laid his hands on him and when nobody could handle him in this world, when the world had no hope, they had nothing going for them, they were done. Jesus said, be set free. That's the cross. The power of the cross. That when the whole world tells us that that you're not going to be healed, you're dying, you're going to hell. In the name of Jesus, you have been healed. That's the cross. We have the anointing of Christ in us. And when that Holy Ghost nudges us, when he nudges us, that's the power beginning to be released. And when you open your mouth, the power will come out. When you close your mouth, it'll go away. Use it or lose it. The more you open your mouth, the more he's going to nudge you. The more you close your mouth, the less he's going to nudge you. But if you're like me, many times I'll get to the point where I don't feel the nudging. And I'll say, God, forgive me. Start nudging me some more. He'll do it. He never gives up on us. But guys, today, we need to remember that he has given us the gift. The power, the talents. You say, well, nobody can save my son, baloney. Jesus can. Nobody can save my daughter, baloney. Jesus can. You know, I, I get so tired of people walking up and say, you know, we got to go through a 12-month program. Baloney, Jesus can. And I'm not saying that they're bad guys. I'm not saying that, that, that going through these things strengthen us. But, but guys, when, when I was delivered of alcohol, it was boom, it was done. Never to look back. What happened to the cross? Guys, as this world gets tougher and tougher, you're going to have to have that anointing. Or you're not going to make it. But we can make a difference in this world if we walk in this anointing that Christ has given us, this talent that he's given us. And again, the scripture, I've read this every week since this year's begun. But the anointing, the Holy Ghost, which you have received from him, abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing, the Holy Spirit teaches you concerning all things and is true. It is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You got all you need. If God's given you five talents, you're good. If you think you got too heavy of a load today, no, God thought you could handle it. If God's given you two loads today, Man, that's okay. That's what God's given you. Well, you want more? Well, be faithful with the two. Because it's already said that when the one did nothing, 
They took his talents and gave it to the ones that were doing something. So it increased their talents. All of them increased double that were working for God no matter what. But even today, if you're that one today, man, it's too much, Ken. I can't deal with it. I'm not a person that prays. I'm not, I'm not one that gets up in the pulpit. Well, you don't have to be. Be one when the Holy Spirit nudges you that you speak. And what he's entrusted with you, the truth, the power of God. When you're sitting by somebody and they say, man, I don't feel good today. Man, the Holy Spirit may nudge you to lay hands on them. Or when they have no hope over a situation, you can give them hope in a situation. You know, I've been preaching and months and months. I always say, invite people to church. Well, I mean, lead them to Christ and then they'll come to church. When you're sitting beside somebody that needs Christ, share your testimony. You know, oh, pastor, I don't know the word. Guys, if you don't know your word, use your testimony. First off, they'll argue with you on the word anyway. They won't argue your testimony. Share your testimony. Lead them to Christ. That's the plan God has for you. God's plan is that everyone will be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of him. And he's going to use you to do that. Now, I'm not saying you can't be bivocational. But are we using our talents for God first? And are we pressing into God first? Because, guys, I see the church pulling back. When we need to be pressing in. Not fearful of what God is doing. Not fearful of what's going on in this world. This uh, card I got from Randy, too, and I'd say, I don't know if you found out how old this one was, but it was a mid-range, so that's probably 20 or 30 years old. But, but um, anyway, that's some others he found. But it t- caught my eye. You'll win this race if you'll be my valentine. And you'll win this race if you'll be Christ's valentine. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ, your Lord and Savior, we need to do that. I thought this little box here was even neater. They're using the scripture, but I don't agree with other stuff on there. But but two are better than one. That's scripture. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 4. But it says a cord of three is not easily broken. A cord of three is you and a friend in, in the Lord. It won't be broken. So today, we've all got talents. And, and God wants us to use that talent to love him and his people. And point two, they need it. And point three, are you using it? And point four, you're anointed to use it. And whatever you need prayer for today, we'll pray for. If you need prayer for healing or anything off subject that we're not even talking about today, God's called us out here to be a community and minister to each other. And, and your community is this people in here. You need to be ministering and praying for these people. But your community is wherever you go to work, where you go to school, wherever you lay your head at night, wherever, you, wherever you're at and the people around you, that's who God wants you to use your talents on. And are we doing it?